Welcome to the Talking the Line podcast, presented to you by Talking the Line Sports Media, giving you our best insights and analysis so you can rake in some cold hard cash on your next sports bet. Now sit on back, open up your mind, and let's cash some tickets. We can't thank you enough for joining us. We hope you enjoy. afternoon good evening ladies and gentlemen degenerates gamblers seattle seahawks fans the 12th man fans of the nfl shield nfl football betters fantasy football players anybody i might have left out far and wide welcome in to episode number 116 of the talking the line podcast and as always thank you so much for taking a few moments out of your day to come and kick it with the crew on this beautiful september 2nd 2021 now i already told you we got the 12th man to talk about today everything seattle seahawks hashtag go hawks but before we do all of that have our usual crew banter and maybe some college football picks too please Take a few moments to smash that subscribe button on whatever platform you are currently ingesting the TTL pod on. If you are watching on YouTube, might as well hit that notification bell over there as well so you never miss the start of a live show or any additional TTL content dropping. Oh, how about wise words? Next Wednesday, September the 8th, you will soon be able to see that available on the playlist. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. But if you are, and the notification bell, but if you are listening on your favorite podcast directory, make sure you hit that subscribe button there too, as we do release the audio after every live show is over. Next item up, as always, if you could be so kind, you can find it in your heart. You got a couple extra seconds to do so. Hit that like button, leave us a comment, leave us a rating, hop on over yonder in the live chat. If you are watching live, we can't tell you how much we appreciate it when you do, and it only helps us make TTL Sports Media bigger and better for each and every one of you. Last, but certainly not least, head on over to this episode's description where you can locate the Talking the Line link tree. Within that link tree, you'll find the TalkingTheLine.com website, all of the TTL crew's social platforms, and our additional content so you can consume all of that however and whenever you please. Ladies and gentlemen, beautiful gambling people, NFL fans, anybody I haven't mentioned yet, welcome in once again to episode 116 of the Talking the Line podcast. I am your humble host, Colton, Colt45 Soroka, and I can't tell you how excited I am to talk about the Seattle Seahawks today and also dish out some college football picks for you guys. I cannot wait. We have a loaded tap. Yesterday, Jacksonville State and UAB went our way in a couple of bets, not in some other areas. However, we have nonstop football until late Monday evening. College football, that being, it is time. It is here. It is now. I got my partner. He's got some picks, too. He's got some information and some knowledge that he's got to share with us about the Seattle Seahawks. So without further ado, let me bring in the resident cheesehead, 
the man, the myth, the degenerate gambling legend himself, Mr. Riley, Armax, Magnuson. Partner, how you doing over there today, pal? My man, I could not be better. The feeling of football is in the air more and more by the day. You know, the weather cooled off. It's certainly not fall-type weather, but walking into the studios, there was just that tiny little bit of September crisp in the air. It feels like football. It is football season, man. Had a little, uh, not even an appetizer, whatever you get before an appetizer. That's what last night felt like, and tonight is going to be a smorgasbord of appetizers, so... I can't wait, man. We've got loads of football coming up on deck, and we're going to be right here with it all. Yes, the uh, cocktail waiters and waitresses are, waiter. there you go. are officially out with the hors d'oeuvres, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. It is hot and heavy, and I'm talking about we're at a fucking five-star oh. dining facility, oh. ladies and gentlemen. So we have plenty of picks to give out, talk to you about at the end of the show when we have some banter, stuff like that. If you guys want early access to them, they're already out on our website and on the Action Network app, so check it out there. Uh, outside of that, yesterday's game, cash the under, 51.5, nice and easy. However, I was on, uh, as well was Mags, Jacksonville yep. spread, and then uh, took a little sprinkle on the money line. They had a very solid shot, could have uh, pulled it off there in the second half, but they just kept shooting themselves too much mm-hmm. in the foot, and uh, not a great showing for uh, Jacksonville no. State. But outside of that, once again, we got plenty of opportunities to cash some gridiron tickets tonight. We'll save all of that uh, for the end of the show once we get to our mag sidebar, all of our usual banter right before Colts Motivation Minutes. Got kind of a continuation on today with my Motivation Minutes, some of the messages I've been giving you uh, this week. Another little mental image for you. If you've been following along, we're walking down that path again. So uh, get ready for some good Motivation Minutes. Get you through your Thursday here. But you know the drill, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to really cut all the nonsense, cut all the drama, cut all the banter. Let's get into, get into today's team of the day, the 12th man, the Seattle Seahawks. We have a lot of questions, and I say we because me and my partner have briefly talked about this. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he stands on a lot of spots, but offensively, there's a lot of concern for us. Defensively, there's even more concern for us. So we have a lot of questions to answer, a lot of questions to ask, and uh, we're not going to hesitate. We're not going to delay. So get ready. Strap in. It's about to get hot and heavy with the first segment of the day, the full Seahawks team breakdown. As always, we will uh, kick things off offensive side of the ball and then work our way over to the defensive side of the ball, starting with key losses and additions, talk about some 2020 numbers, and uh, talk about our overall thoughts and opinions, outlook, and some key rankings. So let's get right on into it. I'll kick things off, as always, with the offensive losses for the Seahawks going into 2021. They let Carlos Hyde, running back, go. Uh, We talked about him in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. He definitely looks a lot more valuable now to the uh, Jaguars that Travis Etienne is out for the season. They let two wide receivers go. Talked about David Moore already, and then also Philip Dorsett. Three tight ends in general. Uh, overall, I mean, uh, Greg Olson, the old dog, he is uh, maybe finally out of the league for good. Who yep. knows? I think he will finally be out. Uh, Jacob Hollister, tight end as well, and then Luke Wilson. Let a few linemen go as well. Mike Iupati, Chance Wormack, and Chad Wheeler. So uh, not the biggest hits overall, but some of the key names you definitely uh, are, are going to miss, I think, a little bit there in Seattle are going to be Carlos Hyde, that production of David Moore on the opposite side of uh, either DK well typically it would be DK right. now all the time at this point so 
Nothing major to write home about. I think they'll be okay. But as I said, we got a lot of questions to answer here. Before we do, partner, can you enlighten us on the key additions offensively for the Seahawks? I know there was just a boatload of them going into 2021. Monster list here. It's a laundry list. Hold your breath or don't hold your breath. But uh, it's actually pretty quick. A couple guys that I do like the additions, but uh, a few holes that you mentioned uh, as far as the depth that they didn't really fill. But Gabe Jackson, they picked up right guard, going to be on that starting offensive line. That's a nice little pickup. Not uh, world-changing, but it is a nice pickup nonetheless. Gerald Everett, tight end, going to be competing for time with Will Disley. Should have a nice little impact for this offense. That's about it as far as the offensive side of the ball. As far as the draft, partner, they only had three draft picks in total this year. Two of them were spent on the off, uh, offense. Second round wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge. He's actually going to be playing a nice little role. We shall see. Uh, potentially Tyler Lockett Jr., 5'9", speedster. So interesting to see where he's going to line up. Not so much of a plug-and-play as uh, to fill that David Moore hole hmm. uh, on the other side of DK Metcalf because he's more of a uh, you know skill set. He's kind of like Tyler Lockett, so it's going to be interesting how they use him. And then sixth round offensive tackle Stone Foresight. Not quite sure if we're going to see too much of him this year, but as I mentioned, and as we joked, that is about it, partner. Not too much else coming in this offseason. Yeah, nothing offensively, really nothing defensively either. We'll talk about that a lot. However, sticking with the defense, I am a little bit concerned about that addition of uh, D wide receiver you talked about there. Um, uh, oh, Eskridge. D Eskridge, I yeah, apologize. Dwayne Eskridge. Dwayne Eskridge, there he goes by D Eskridge. Um, so I... Uh, I am too a little bit concerned. Obviously, Tyler Lockett is that solidified slot guy. Right. Uh, I don't think they're going to move him out of that spot. But my partner just mentioned D. Dwayne does me- lack a lot of that elite mm-hmm. height and also yeah. weight. So not too sure where uh, they actually see him lining up, if they are truly going to have him opposite of uh, DK. But we'll talk about that a little bit more in depth here. Let me give you some key 2020 stats before we do. The Seahawks on offense average 5.7 yards per play. They rush the ball 40.41% of the time and pass 59.59% of the time. Completion percentage across the board was at a 67.63 clip. Third down conversion rate was at a 38.42 clip. Definitely want to see that come up. But red zone was rather solid. They converted at a 73.68 clip. So I think they uh, remain rather dominant in the red zone. They did bring back Chris Carson, who is a very good goal line back, as well as it uh, pretty much seems that anytime they want to score with DK or Tyler inside of the uh, 10-yard line, they can definitely do so at will. But we'll talk about some more outlooks here in just a second. Let me tell you about this projected week one starter list. As far as the offensive line goes, I got Brandon Shell, Gabe Jackson, Ethan Piocic, Damian Lewis, and Dwayne Brown. As far as the man either lining up to the right or the left of them, sometimes blocking and sometimes catching passes, looks to be Will Disley, but they also brought in uh, Gerald Everett, as my partner mentioned, from L.A. So I think uh, Gerald Everett definitely makes the impact sooner rather than later. As far as the wide receivers go, they still got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Dwayne uh, Eskridge, who we've already talked about. Looks like to be the... Uh, the main three guys however behind them Freddie Swain and Penny Hart could definitely work in I'm not too certain what kind of workload we see from them early on in the season but I definitely think they're going to have to depend on that uh, depth there because 
Dwayne Eskridge just becomes a little bit more and more of a problem for me as the days go on. If they didn't have Tyler Lockett, I wouldn't be worried about it at all. I'd be excited. I would be extremely excited for them. It'd be another elite weapon yeah. for Russ, but I'm just very concerned with that being his go-to position. They're not moving Lockett, so I don't really know how much production we really see out of this passing game this year. I'm a little concerned about that. As far as the running backs go, they got Rashad Penny, RB2, and then already talked to you guys about the Chris Carson, aforementioned Chris Carson. Then uh, Russell Wilson, hashtag let Russ cook. And then Geno Smith, QB2. So that is projected week one starters. As far as it goes in my mind, I am not very high on this defense and I or offense. And I really, really hate to say that. And I think it comes down to a couple key things for me. This offense, offensive line is lackluster. I, they don't have the biggest names in the league, and they definitely don't have the best cohesion in the league. I'm a little concerned about how well they can protect Russ, and we saw the sacks go through the absolute ceiling last year with Russ, and that became kind of a media thing, and oh, is there an issue with him and Pete Carroll and right. the offensive line? And we remember that. It was a whole doggone thing. <laughs> so you, you think about that, okay, are we going to have issues there? Are they going to continue to let Russ get hit or have opportunities where these backs are getting hit at or before the line of scrimmage, I think it comes down to the offensive line. And if the offensive line struggles in any capacity, then that passing game is going to struggle. Then that running game is going to struggle. I mean, it's simple deduction. Mm -hmm. However, at the beginning of the year, they passed really, really, really well. And at a very early and often rate right. in 2020. And then things kind of went south. So then... Pete Carroll said, hey, we're going back to running the ball. This is what we're doing. And they ended up winning a bunch of games at the end of the season. However, it was just because they were able to hang their hat on the defensive side of the ball. And they played terrible, terrible offenses right. in third string quarterbacks. So I'm very concerned that Pete Carroll sees the end of how last year or how last year ended. Rather, we'll talk about it more in the coaching breakdown. But I'm very concerned that he is very, very adamant about opening opening this season running early and often. What do I mean by that? On early downs, early in the game, and at a very high frequency. I'm very concerned that that is Pete Carroll's mindset and Russ doesn't have enough opportunities to cook. However... New OC Shane Waldron should give him enough opportunities. We'll talk about that too here in just a minute. However, enough of my blabbing on the offense. Partner, what are you thinking about the Seahawks in 2021? <laughs> you, I, I kind of echo almost everything. I might be a little more optimistic on the offense as a whole, I think, just a little bit. But I do think we kind of see a little bit of regression or kind of a mixed bag of kind of what we saw last year. Because I don't really know. And I think uh, you're right that Pete Carroll... It's Pete Carroll, and he's stuck in his ways, and he might mm. try to hammer that run a little too much. And, you know, you mentioned it, man, but people totally forgot how muddy this looked. Russell Wilson sounded like he might not be in Seattle. And then the Aaron Rodgers saga happened, and, uh, you know, Kinda Sean Watson. Dark. And we totally forgot that that was an issue, and now we think that things are business as usual. And I think things should be fine. Obviously, Russ is still there. He's a competitor, but... I mean, I don't think it's going to be 100% hunky-dory. They're going to be holding hands out there. I, I'm a little concerned. I think DK and Tyler Lockett are still going to produce with Russell Wilson. I think there's still going to be some success. But kind of like you mentioned, I think there's still going to be points where you're kind of scratching your head at some of their play calling. So 
all in all, I think there's going to be some good times and some bad times this year. I think we see kind of a roller coaster this year for this offense. I think we do too. And I'm actually glad you mentioned that off season drama right. with uh, Russ and the front office, you know, Aaron Pete Carroll too, I guess, you know, I didn't really, I guess I had forgotten about that too. myself. And if I had forgotten about it, then you guys definitely exactly. did too. So man, maybe things aren't as, in your terms, hunky-dory as it appears to be in Seattle. I, I mean, sure hope so, but man, when the Aaron Rodgers stuff happened, I mean, the the, the Russ news was the news of the offseason. Oh my gosh, he might not be a Seattle Seahawk, and then as soon as the Aaron Rodgers stuff happened, it just got all swept right. under the rug, and nothing has been said about it since. So, I mean, he even laid out a few teams that he would be okay with being traded to. I would like to think they got that mended and so got that I. fixed, but at the same time, I don't have all the faith in the world that they were able to get that done. And it'd be a different story if, uh, you know, Gabe Jackson's the only offensive line addition they made. Nice addition, but it'd be a different story if they revamped the entire one and it looked like a top 10 offensive line, but that's not quite the case here. No, and they had the least draft capital in mm -hmm. 2021 exactly. of any team since at least 1999. Right. So not good at all let's keep this steaming mm -hmm. on down the tracks i know we could continue to talk about this offense right. for the next 20 years can i get one final Go ahead, thought what in. you got i just i'm worried about the depth of this receiving core even with or without eskridge if any i love metcalf and lockett but if anything happens to those guys man this offense is actually in some deep shit i'm glad you did say that <laughs> because it is very much the uh, uh, what is it swain hart i have no confidence yeah. in those guys whatsoever yeah the wide receiver room can definitely uh take a hit if anything were right. to happen to Lockett or metcalf so i definitely agree with you there yeah. too let me give you some key rankings before we keep it steaming on down the tracks with the defensive side of the ball quarterback room comes ranked as the third unit in the league obviously with russell wilson you can't really argue that at all offensive line 18th ranked unit in the league running back 16th overall and then receivers fifth in the league so obviously the guys at sfa don't have the most faith in the offensive line either mm -hmm. um they have a little bit more faith in uh i think these rankings are actually just coming from some of the names chris carson dk metcalf tyler lockett russell wilson we're we're talking about that i mean they're premier names but god forbid anything happens to any of those guys then they are in some hot shit right and it might go south real fast in seattle and the bo the birds might be uh flying to hibernate sooner rather than later i hope that doesn't happen but let's keep it moving into the defensive side of the ball as always key losses key additions partner if you could be so kind as to indulge us who the seahawks let walk going into 2021 all righty so not the Biggest name, not their star players by any means, but a few guys that played some key roles, whether it's last year or the last few years. Delano Hill, uh, safety, played two games last year, but he did spend four years in Seattle. Jaron Reed, interior defensive line, played 16 games last year, had six and a half sacks, spent five years there. Tough loss as far as their interior depth. Quinton Dunbar, cornerback, played only one season, but he played six games last year. They wanted him to be more last year, and he just wasn't. Uh, but the Griffin brothers, both of them out of town. Mm -hmm. uh, Shaq Griffin, cornerback, Played 12 games for a season. He's in Jacksonville. Shaquem Griffin, uh, linebacker, 14 games. He's actually a free agent now, cut by Miami. Don't think they'll be bringing him back, however. Brandon Jackson, edge rusher, 15 games. And then K.J. Wright, actually 16 games last year. Played 10 season with this team. Production fell off, though, and he's actually still on the market, still a free agent. So, you know, he wasn't a big factor the last year or two, but obviously a nice long career there in Seattle. So I know the, uh, the 12th man is sad to see him go. Most definitely. I uh, appreciate you dropping those down for me, partner. We'll uh, talk about those guys a little bit more in depth once we get to the outlook portion here. But 
As far as the key additions defensively, they really didn't do much overall here uh, going into 2021. They picked up four guys overall uh, via the trade market or free agency. They got Akello Witherspoon, defensive back, who looks like he will be getting the immediate start there in the secondary. Gary Hyder, edge rusher, as well as Alden Smith, edge rusher. So excited to kind of see what Alden Smith, he obviously had the comeback year uh, in uh, Dallas, but I'm not 150% sure if he did officially make the roster I actually, or not. I'm not seeing he, it on this he depth might chart have not made the roster so uh that uh you can discount everything i said right. but al woods uh interior defensive lineman he does look like he will be making the week one start we'll yep. talk about him here in just a minute as far as the draft goes they only picked up one defensive guy it was a defensive back trey brown out of oklahoma boomer sooner uh, does not look like he will be uh, getting any immediate impact here. He could be a depth ad, could see some playing time in 2021, but really nothing to write home about in that category. Sure. That all being said, let me give you the uh, key defensive uh, names here, or key defensive defensive stats, rather, not the names quite yet. We'll talk about the stats before we do that. As far as yards per play go, the Seahawks allowed opponents to average 5.4 yards per play last year. The opponent's opponent completion percentage across the board was at 66.09%. On third down, opponents converted at a 45.3 a clip, and in the red zone, opponents converted at a 61.67 clip. So obviously, I think we're going to see a lot of uptick in those red zone numbers just across the board, just with the new style of offense, just with all the different types of things and some of these elite receivers who are just so damn good in the red zone. I think across the board, it's going to be right around 55 to 60. So it's going to be hard for a lot of these teams to get any better than that. Obviously, you would like to see better than 61% bow up a little bit around 50, but not too bad overall. And then third down conversion, if they can stay pretty consistent there at 453 not too bad, but I do think we see a little bit of regression in that department just based off of how difficult their opponents are and how hard their schedule looks. We'll right. talk about that here in just a little bit in the next segment as well. But as far as the projected week one starters here for the Seahawks, defensive line, they got LJ Collier, Puna Ford, Al Woods, and Carlos Dunlap rounding out the front seven at linebacker Jordan Brooks and then Bobby Wagner. He's still Bobby Wagner, regardless of age, regardless. Right. He, he is the ageless one at this point, still making huge plays for the Seahawks. Uh, captain for them still. Akello Witherspoon uh, over to the secondary now. Uh, Akello Witherspoon will play, be playing one of the outsides. Uh, the opposite side will be Trey Flowers. Inside looks like to be Ugo Amadi. And then uh, deep secondary, you have Jamal Adams, who obviously is more of kind of like a hybrid linebacker, edge rusher. What the hell is Jamal Adams? Oh, he just made a pick. Obviously, one of the better names on this defense. And then Quandre Diggs, free safety. He definitely plays that deeper field, while uh, Adams, as we know, kind of plays more in the box and can definitely blitz whenever he wants, yeah, can definitely drop whatever back he coverage whenever he wants. So I think that uh, this defense struggles. And I hate to say that, but I just don't know that we are going to see enough production from the defensive line in order to help the production of this secondary improve. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing. The secondary really struggled last year. I mean, they had flashes here or there, but I am just not high on them with a lot of improvement. And if this front seven can generate a lot of pressure and do a lot of things defensively, then I would be a little bit higher on the secondary, but I just don't think that they can do that. They have great names, LJ Collier, Puna Ford, Al Woods, Carlos Dunlap, but 
in over the course of the last few years, they just haven't generated those big name numbers like their big names would ensue. So I'm a little bit tentative. I, uh, I'll obviously talk about it a little bit more as we go on through the show here, but I'm a little bit concerned about this front seven and really concerned about this secondary, especially with some of the offensive opponents that they're facing. As my thoughts defensively, where are you lying in 2021, part? I am very similar to you. I won't waste too much time here. I'm really concerned about the pass rush here. Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams are absolute studs. They could be, despite what we think about this defense, they still could be first-team all-defense, and they're that type of players. But, you know, I could see them making some few plays and uh, having a few games where this defense looks all right. But I'm really concerned about this front seven with the pass rush, and it's going to make that secondary look bad, much like you said. So, like I said, I won't waste too much time here because we're uh, very very, very aligned on this defense partner. All right. Well, let's see if the guys over at SFA are as well. Well, hell, wouldn't you know it? The front seven comes in ranked as the 24th unit in the league, and the secondary comes in ranked as the 20th unit in the league. Obviously, a little bit higher on the secondary and lower on the front seven, just as me and Mags. Mm -hmm. So I think the front seven stays right around there, and the secondary could decline right around to the 25th mark. I'm a little worried about this defense, boys and girls, and it's going to hang a lot of pressure on the offense, and it's going to make those stars, DK, Russ... Tyler, we keep saying that because they are so important and it is going to put so much on their shoulders with the defense struggling this year. And if one of those guys goes out, anything happens whatsoever. It is going to be an early exit stage left for the Seattle Seahawks, yeah, I mean, in my opinion. I hate to use this is a weird analogy, but I mean, Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams, too. If anything happens to either of those guys, this defense is going to be one of the worst units in the league. It's yeah. almost like Jenga. You pull out one of these guys, on, and that sounds stupid, but obviously Russ, and then the two receivers, and then these two defenders. Nope. You pull out one of these guys, and it really, really drops the floor out on this entire team, not just their unit. So, Well, I'm a gangster at uh, Jenga, yeah, so, so I don't am I. So the there you go. So uh, that's just the way I see it, man. I see if anything happens to one of these guys, things are going to be looking ugly for the entire team, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, that is one of many red flags. Yeah. And I think that might be the biggest red flag if any type of injury or any type of, uh, I don't know, causes I, somebody on this team to sit out. It's going to be uh, rough sledding for yeah. the Seahawks. That all being said. As far as the coaching staff goes, uh, same old guy, Pete Carroll, coming on in for his 12th official season in the league. So definitely, uh, and 12th with the Seahawks. He's been in the league much longer than that with the Seahawks. Um, so he's definitely starting to get up there with the Bill Belichick's, the Mike Tomlins, and uh, Sean Payton. Sean Payton's. We already talked about him too. So obviously guys that are sticking around for a while now, I don't want to say Pete Carroll's seat's hot by any means, no. not at all, but they're going to have to start winning some games or start doing something here. I mean, it's just been kind of a little bit of a wheel spinner for the last few right. seasons. A bad season would make the seat not hot next year, but uh, he would... Is my seat a little warm right now? That's kind of what it would do. Okay. All right. Well, I'm picking up my analogies here glad, today. Glad, uh, glad, glad you got my that seat one a little out. warm over here. Uh, so then, <laughs> new offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, uh, coming in from the Rams. He was their pass coordinator. Uh, I have some faith in him. And actually, one key thing that I wanted to mention, um, he is very, very good at not only play action across the board, but under center play action. Mm -hmm. And under center play action is actually where Russ thrives the most. So if they utilize that to their advantage, I think that we could see some consistency, maybe a little bit of improvement offensively. I don't know how much you can improve off of last year. They were really, really solid in a lot of spots. However, 
if they don't take advantage of that and they run the ball, I just, man, once again, it's it's a huge, huge concern if mm-hmm. they are not able to implement some of the things that they should and they go to stubborn Pete Carroll offense. Right. I'm a little worried about it. And then uh, also defensive coordinator coming in for his fourth season, Ken Norton here with the Seahawks. Obviously, he's uh, got the prowess. He obviously has the ability, but and he obviously has the names, but I'm still not high on this defense. I don't think he does enough for him this year. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, you know, the only thing I was going to say is a lot of what my concern is, I don't know about you, and we'll lead it into this next segment here, but uh, if they were playing the exact same schedule as last year, my concerns would be a lot lower. I could see them being another double-digit team, but a lot of my concern is also cooked in with this schedule that we're about to talk about being a lot harder than it was last year. Yes, I do agree with you on that, and uh, that's a hell of a segue. We'll just get right into the second segment of the day, the full schedule breakdown now uh you guys know we skip the uh week by week all that jazz we save that for the full betting preview we just give you our full record predictions and uh kind of some of the key things you should know about some of their opponents and their rest and prep advantages and disadvantages so without further ado we will just get right into it no delay no hesitation no wasting time you guys want to know you need to know so let's get after it first things first we got to talk about the nfc west again Sheesh. It gets harder and harder every time I talk about it because I don't know more and more as we get closer to the season. Somebody gets hurt. Somebody comes back. There's a rumor that somebody's going to light it up. There's a rumor that the defense is going to be electric against here. Who knows? I think these are going to be the best matchups to watch all season long, and they are going to be absolutely insane. Now, I'll start with the Cardinals. Uh, I do believe that the Seahawks could get both over the Cardinals this season. However, I definitely would lean more to a split. Obviously, the the one loss that they had to the Cardinals last year was in overtime. I don't know if it shakes out like that again, but just with how difficult I foresee everything being, I'm going to give them a split there. With the Rams... Very interesting um, to see what's actually going to happen here with Jared Goff out of town. Definitely eliminating a lot of the mistakes that uh, defense seem to always have Goff's numbers. So I think that the Rams get both of those. But again, because of just how sheer difficult this Mm -hmm. schedule is and how this uh, division is, I think I got to go with the split there as well. Okay. Um, the Thursday night football game is the first time they play them in week five. So I would give that them that game that is at home. Uh, one of the actually the second time uh, through the first five weeks that the 12th man yeah, is actually going to be present. So give me them in that one. I'll give them another split there. Uh, the Cardinals are later on in the season. So I, uh, I will definitely give them after their bye week too. Okay. So I'll give them, I'll keep the split there as well. And then um, might as well stick with the same tune. I think that uh, they get the split over the 49ers as well. They got that Sunday night football game that I think, th- you know, it's going to be a toss-up. Week 13 is a Sunday night football game against them, and then week four is uh, just a regular Sunday game against them. So I either one of those could kind of go either one sure. of the ways. And if uh, San Francisco steps up on defense and Kyle Shanahan hammers down on offense – it could go 2-0 and San Francisco. Right. But because we gave the 49ers a split with them yesterday, I will also give them a split. 
So uh, another team out of the NFC West, I see going three and three in the division. What the fuck are they all going to go three Clone, and three? Clean split here. <laughs> I am going to go a little different than you. I am leaning towards two and four. Actually, I'm going with a split to the Cardinals and a split to the 49ers. I mean, we talked mm. about the uh, Niners yesterday. Gave them a split. And I am going with the Rams getting both games this year. The one, you know, I mean, you mentioned it week five in Seattle. That I do believe might be the Seahawks' only loss at home this year. I'm high on them at home. They've got a decently easy schedule, at least in some spots. But uh, I talked about it with the Rams preview. This Rams team, they played in the playoffs also, so they played three times. The Seahawks didn't score more than 20 points in these games last year. They did win one of them 20 to nine, but kind of like you mentioned, without Jared Goff, I think the Rams don't have that same issue. Issue. I look back at the box score. Jared Goff was absolutely brutal in that game. So I really do think this Rams team is going to have their number, uh, the Rams offense at the very least. So maybe we see a couple shootouts or at least one, but I'm giving the Rams both of them and a two and four for the Seahawks in this division. All right. Two and four for the Seahawks out of the division. Three and three for me. You heard me also kind of lean a little bit to the Rams yep. there, but I just can't not. A little double negative for you there. Back Russ in Seattle in week five on a Thursday night football game. The 12th man is just going to play too large in my mind this year. So I'll stick three and three. Partner sticking two and four. Now, as always, we got to talk about the eight main non-divisional games they got. Same as the 49ers from uh, yesterday because they obviously do play in the same division themselves. So that all being said, uh, partner, I want to get your opinion here first because I got to fix something with my mouse. Kind of goofing up over here. Fair enough. Uh, So... First round of four out of the AFC South. What are you feeling out of the Seahawks? So I'll save some time and say a quick two wins against the Jags and the Texans. They do get the Jags. It is in Seattle, though, and the Jags are coming off their bye. So uh, the Jags get a nice eight-day rest advantage, but I don't think that should matter in Seattle. I'm giving the Seahawks that one. And then they get the other two teams, uh, the Colts and Titans, week one and two. Week one is an indie, but too much uncertainty with the Colts week, uh, the first few weeks, especially week one, who they're going to have available. Um, And if it's not Carson Wentz, Give me the Seahawks by a lot. So I will give the Seahawks the win in Indy in that one. And then I mentioned it. uh, They get the Titans at home. I mentioned I think the Rams are their only home loss. So if it was in Tennessee, I think I'd be singing a different tune. But I will go with the Seahawks getting that win in Week 2 in Seattle. So give me 4-0 out of this division. 4-0 out of the AFC South. All right. Well, hey, uh, producer Colt has now left the studio. Yes, sir. Uh, Back to uh, now host Colt. And uh, I got some opinions here on the AFC South, too. And I was kind of leaning right where uh, you were predicting. However, I'm a little concerned about how this team comes out in week one against the Colts. Okay. That is in Indianapolis. Um it doesn't look like they'll have Carson Wentz. Maybe they do have Carson Wentz. There is a lot of murkiness, so maybe that leans me away a little bit. I think it's going to be a shootout, and sure, I'll I'll give it to the Seahawks, give them uh, a little bit of an edge out there. Yes, yeah, same exact thing with you with the Jags and Texans. I'm not wasting breath. I went back on my deathbed with those two teams. <laughs> and then as far as the Titans go, that is also in week two, as my partner said. So, Going back home, start the season 2-0 would be extremely electrifying for the Seattle team. They need it. They want it. I'll give them also a clean 4-0 sweep out of the AFC South. All right, nice. All right, moving on to the NFC North. I am going to do it this time. I don't give a damn what you guys have to say, what you guys (laughs) think. You can all pound sand. The Bears are beating the Seahawks Mm. this year. 
the Bears are beating the damn Seahawks this year because I envision something very, very similar happening to the season-long script as we saw last year. Okay. Russ comes out cooking. He's the fucking MVP. He's hot. Let Russ cook. Let Russ cook, Mr. Unlimited. (laughs) I'm telling you, the man was hot. He was. Early MVP candidate of the fucking year. Sure. Then... Couple of little oo's, little interception, little things here. It happens. We're all humming beans. Those things happen. But Pete Carroll said, <laughs> "Give me the reins back. I'm taking over this offense. We are knocked out the headphones. We are going back to running the football." And I think that's what happens again. Yep. And I think they get to the Bears and they're playing that bullshit game script, and the Bears lock it down. And then the Seahawks have to start playing some predictable football and bombing it deep. And even though we don't have any cornerbacks signed right now, I would hope by week 16 we do. So then the cornerbacks will have a lot of success is what I'm predicting. So all of that encompassing, I think they get the win over the Bears there. Uh, Or the Bears get the win over the Seahawks. I apologize. So (laughs) 0-1 there. Uh, They, in my opinion, easy win over the Lions. And then the Vikings. It's going to be kind of a toss-up to me. But I do think that they start their season 3-0, and and then it's kind of a downhill slide mm. from there once they get to, to week four. I think they can take care of business against Minnesota. It is always very, very interesting for Seattle going into the bank. Yeah. I, you know, I lean that way. Last year, obviously, the Seahawks won by one point, so we got to think about that, too. In Seattle. In Seattle. So it's always interesting. You always know that it's going to be some type of shootout, but I will give it to the Seahawks once again this year. I I just think that they start the season 3-0. and Okay. They shock the hell out of everybody. Everything's right. going great, and then it kind of falls off the face of the earth. And then they're running the Niners and Rams. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. My thoughts exactly. So then I, uh, I will close it out with a loss to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, get your lick back. You guys absolutely destroy them. No question in my mind. And the Seattle Seahawks go two and two in the NFC North. Two and two. Okay. I am, I think I'm also going to go two and two. I'll say a loss to my pack and a win over the Lions. And then I'm kind of going to toss up either the Vikings or the Bears. When I first talked about it, I was leaning towards a uh, win over the Vikings, loss over the Bears. But I, and I'm not going to say emphatically one way or the no, another, so I'll say one way or another they get two. I kind of like that matchup for the Bears if it is Justin Fields. I don't think there's going to be the teams that I'm worried for your Bears sake, whoever is quarterback, so the teams that are going to have a lot of pass rush pressure, and mm-hmm. I mentioned it, I don't think the Seahawks are going to be that team. So I don't, I'm kind of giving it a toss-up to both of these games. If it was in Seattle again against the Vikings, I'd probably say the Seahawks. But going into Minnesota, I'm leaning towards the Vikings, but it was a one-point game last year. I think it's going to be another crazy game, and it's going to be a toss-up. Same with the Bears game. So I'm going to crisp 2-2, two and two, and I'm not going to say which game they get there. All right, one way or other. So we are aligned in the eight main non-divisional games, both the AFC South and the NFC North. How about the remaining? Remaining. Remaining. I was combining remainder and remaining in my head there, in case you were wondering uh, what that run-on word was. The remaining three games for the Seattle Seahawks, they got the Stillers, the Foosball team, and the Saints. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Uh, You know, I love the football team, man. They're playing in Washington on Monday Night Football, opposite side of the country. Yeah. Not Washington State, Washington, Mm -hmm. (laughs) D.C. Give me the... I almost... Wow, I just looked at their 
logo and I almost just said it. <laughs> oh shit! Give me the football I team. I didn't even realize. Yeah, uh, the logo still there. That. The logo is still on, there. SFA. Uh, the logo still there. Either way, who gives a damn? <laughs> yeah, uh, I almost said it. Uh, either way, I think the football team gets that win, and then uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. That should be a very interesting game. Mm-hmm. Week six on the road in Heinz Field for the uh, Seahawks. They do have a three-game rest advantage for that. Yep. But give me the Stillers in Heinz Field. Okay. And then, because, yeah, they're going to get smacked in the mouth right after they play the Rams and the 49ers, and then yeah. they got to go into Heinz Field. Yeah. Nah, forget that. I'm not taking uh, the okay. Seahawks there. And then against the Saints... That one should be no. It's a Monday Night Football game. Uh, oh my gosh, am I about to give them zero and three in the Ooh. remaining three? They play the Saints, twelfth man. They do have that in their advantage, mm-hmm. but they play on a seven-game rest disadvantage on Monday Night Football against those Saints. I think the Saints win it in a shootout, and Jameis Squinston no more surprises the hell okay. out of the twelfth man. So. Give me 0-3, remaining three games. 0-3, wow. I am going to go a little more optimistically. I'm on the fence of 1-2, and 2-1 two, two and one here. I'm actually going to give them a win over the Saints at home. I don't like the rest disadvantage of the Saints coming off that bye. My concern with the Saints uh, has picked up even more now that they, I don't know when they're going to be playing at home. Obviously, this game isn't in ho- at home, but my point is, We've seen it over the last year or so with other sports. Obviously, this is totally different circumstances, but you look at teams like the Toronto Blue Jays, the Toronto Raptors. They didn't play at home. Uh, now the Blue Jays are at home. They're playing a little better. But, uh, you know, the Blue Jays are a team that people were picking to come out of the AL or certainly make the playoffs. They don't look like they're going to make the playoffs. The Raptors weren't a championship contender, uh, but people certainly thought they were going to be a bit playoff team, and they weren't. And my point being, these teams that uh, have to travel week in and week out, it hasn't been a huge list of success success for them so i'm a little concerned with the saints especially there in week seven maybe they haven't figured out but in seattle give me the seahawks there and then i'm a little split on these steelers and football team game here i kind of want to go the seahawks get one of them one way or another just because you know i love that defensive matchup for the steelers and the football team but i don't know what their offense does to the seahawks team so i'm going to give them a split one way or another so give me two and one out of these last three actually two and one out of the last three all right my friend so that all being said if you are rocking and rolling with me seven Eight, nine, and eight would be nine and eight for 17 games. And then if you're rocking with my partner over there, you got six, seven, eight, eight wins, nine, ten wins, and that would be seven losses. So very, very, <laughs> very, 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 very interesting because, partner, we've done it once we've again. We've done it once again, my man. Uh, we'll talk about <laughs> it shit. in uh, just a hop, skip, and a jump of time here once we get into the betting preview. But I wish we would have done this shit without looking at the total before and then yeah, just and then see what like, happens. Wow. Like, like, holy <laughs> shit. So I'm 9 and 8. Mags is 10 and 7. Whatever way you want to cut it, the Seattle Seahawks season win total is at 10 wins. And the odds, I'm not going to tell you yet. You're going to have to stick around for it, but it's even more laughable. So we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But uh, there you go. Full record predictions for the Seahawks within the NFC West. Their eight main non-divisional games. And then their three remaining between the Steelers, the Saints, and the Foosball team. Mm -hmm. 
All right, let's keep it moving and grooving, my friends. Uh, one final pit stop before we move into the full betting preview. Let's give you some of the key uh, rest and prep disadvantages. Advantages uh, definitely will play large here for the Seahawks this year. Um, they have uh, three games where they face an opponent that has over a week to prepare for them, but also three games where they face an opponent that has under a week to mm-hmm. prepare. So kind of negated there, but definitely still something to think about with where they have opponents that have over a week to right. prepare for them. Never really good for uh, the Seahawks when they face an opponent on some bad rest disadvantages. Uh, They have uh, three games where they have a rest disadvantage and four games where they have a rest advantage. So definitely think about those in the disadvantage department. And then they play zero short week road games. So you love to see that, but they do play two games off of a road Sunday night or Monday night football game. We already talked about those. Those are going to loom extremely large for them being successful, and I think they lose some of those games coming out of the Sunday night and Monday nights and some of those where the opponent has over a week to prepare and where they have rest disadvantages. I think those are going to be where the Seahawks struggle, honestly, and I think this is going to loom large. So... Just something for you to think about there. Definitely as you're hammering in your best bets, you're looking at some futures, you're doing this, that, and the third. And speaking of best bets, let's just get right on into it, my friends. We are honorable degenerates at the end of the day. We love to hammer in bets left, right, and center and give you our analysis behind it too. So, hey, let's get into the full betting preview for the Seattle Seahawks. First things first, you know the drill. We got to make a quick pit stop here at the 2020 stat station. Yes, sir. In 2020, they were favored on average by 4.8 points. It has dropped way down in 2021. They are now only a favorite by a point, point three, 1.3 points. I was going to say point and a half, but uh, not really. Uh, applicable there uh in 2021 they are favored in nine games they were dogs in seven games and they have one pick them against the rams in week five definitely uh going to find some value in that game and talk about that game a lot lost my pin there but in 2020 they had an ats record of eight and nine and a straight up record of 12 and four uh that ats record does include playoffs in these next ats stats i will give you doesn't does include playoffs as well or do include playoffs uh as a favorite they were seven and eight against the number as a dog they were one and one against the number at home they were six and three ats seven and one straight up as a home favorite they were six and three ats as well never a home dog in 2020 and then on the road they were two and six ats five and three straight up uh they were one and five as an away favorite and one and one as an away dog little chuckle there misprint on the agenda but you guys would never know about it either way 21 and 5 that's what he moving <laughs> right along over under record for the seattle seahawks uh in 2020 they have an had an average line of 51.1 a lot of shootouts we saw that last year the books have ticked it down this year to an average of 47.9 they have a string about 548s right in yep. a row so uh definitely a little interesting to see what we'll get from the seahawks but i can't really tell you if I uh, call them an over team or I'll call them yeah, an under know. team because I really don't know. they had an eight and nine overall over under record last year. That is also including playoffs four and four over under at home five and four to the under on the road one and one as a favorite and eight and seven to the under as an underdog. Not really anything you can write home about there, and I think it's going to take some really key spots, and we'll talk about it as we break it down week by week to where you can really find the value to play a game total here for the Seahawks. 
As far as teasers go, though, you love them, I love them, he loves them, everybody loves them. We love building them on Sunday mornings, and the Seahawks just are that team you should think about adding. Might not be the best on their regular spread lines, but you put them in a teaser, you get them through some key numbers, they're damn good. Six, seven, and 10 point teasers, respectively. 13 and three, 14 and two, and 14 and two. That does it. Full 2020 stats. Let's go back to the future, to the present. Short seven days before the NFL season kicks off. Let's break it down week by week here for the Seattle Seahawks. Now in week one, we've already talked about the matchup. We've already talked about the team and our thoughts. But going into Lucas Oil Stadium, they play the Colts as three-point underdogs. It has flipped to minus two and a half for the Hawks with the uncertainty of the Colts. The Seahawks are now minus two and a half point favorites. In week two, they are laying four and a half. Three and a half. Now four and a half. Opened up at three and a half to the Tennessee Titans. That game is at home in Seattle. Week three, they go into Minnesota as plus <laughs> one and a half point dogs. And then San Francisco caught you off guard there. Huh? Crush that one. And then uh, in San Francisco week four, they're getting a field goal and a half. Week five, that's that aforementioned pick them against the LAR, Los Angeles Rams. Has it gone up? Plus one. Plus one now. All right. So they are coming in as the puppies. I do like the Rams in that spot a little bit, but per my prediction, the uh, the Rams are actually going to get that win. That was my prediction. So yeah, I love the Rams in that spot. Give me all of them. And then Pittsburgh, they play them in Pittsburgh in week six. They are getting two and a half points there. Week seven, they're laying a field goal to the Saints at home. Week eight, they're laying a touchdown to the Jaguars at home. And then they go to Lambeau Field in week 10 after their bye in week nine. So rough after bye week opponent and location to play mm -hmm. that game. They are only getting a field goal against the Packers in Lambeau. So very interesting there. I uh, am actually early look would probably hammer in the, the Packers minus three. Mid-November, I might actually be at that game. Wow. Uh, mm -hmm. What do you know about that action? All right, so you might have a little bit of something, something to look yes, forward sir. to there, fans. So then, week 11, Arizona, they are playing them at home. They are laying a field goal and a half. Week 12, they go to Washington to play the football team. I already told you I like the football team in that game. Seahawks are the favorites, but only by two and a half points. So I've been saying it about 15 different times, and I hope I ain't been beating this drum, and I look real <laughs> dumb in about yes, six, seven you weeks. You and me both, pal. But... Give me uh, Washington plus two and a half and uh, hammer in equal unit on that Washington football team money line. I love it there. Week 13, they're favored against the 49ers in Seattle by a point and a half. Week 14, they are on the road to Houston, but they are laying a touchdown to the Texans. Week 15, they are getting four points against the Rams in LA. We both predicted that might be the game they win either way, or at least I did. Uh, and then week 16, they are laying five and a half points to the Bears at home. The game is pretty risky for the Bears going into Seattle, I will admit, but I think something happens and they end up pulling it off. And then week 17, they're laying nine and a half points against the Lions at home and then close out the season against the Cardinals on the road in Arizona as two-point underdogs. Across the board, man, oh man, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities to be able to fade the Hawks. Okay. And I don't know if I'm jumping the gun too much on that. But I think there is going to be a lot of times where their games end by one, yeah. two points. And then if they don't, they're going to get blown out. Sure. So those smaller spreads where they're a three and a half point dog, a three point dog, 
I would probably take the other side in those locations or those situations because I think those are going to be the blowout games sure. where the Seahawks lose. And then even you give me where they're the small favorites, two and a half, one and a half, you, I would probably gladly take the underdogs in that situation too. I mean, obviously a lot of those games are still a ways away, but not even necessarily with Tennessee coming up in week two, minus three and a half. That almost plays right into it. I, I potentially think that something could happen there. Who knows? But I think they also squeak it out. So maybe that's where you play them. And then we get into week six, seven, eight, out of the bye week, week 10. Oh, boy, it might start looking real sketchy against the number. That's kind of my thoughts, what's jumping off of me as I'm kind of seeing how these are, are priced right now. Any thoughts for you, partner? Yeah, as far as the season goes on, I think this is going to be a team that I'm going to be considering week in and week out, but it's certainly not going to be a team that I'm like, oh, yeah, let me throw that in there. And, you know, I don't right. do that typically, but this a team especially, I'm going to oh, have to don't? think. No, but oh, I'm going to have fuck. to think. Th- two I guess I got to change how I <laughs> how I pick plays. You know what I'm Shit. talking about. This is a team that I'm going to have to be looking at real closely every single week. Look, two, three times uh that week two i mean you beat the drum on plus four and a half if that stays right there with tennessee i mentioned i think they beat tennessee but i think it's a close game and it's closer to a toss-up so i would absolutely hammer tennessee at plus four and a half unless tennessee comes out looking oh, terrible four and a half I forgot that too uh yeah so i you know as far as the season goes on Get we'll see it. but uh <laughs> uh yeah I'm, I'm i'm interested in there's gonna be certain teams where i'm definitely gonna be hammering that over uh, but then as we mentioned, it's going to be on the season as a whole. I'm not sure if there'll be an over or under team, but I think there will be a few matchups that yeah, you can confidently say it's going to be a 30, 30 type game. So as we go on, I'm not sure what we'll see here. Well, thanks for that segue partner. Cause that's right where I was going next with some of those totals. Cause I do think there is some value in some yeah. key spots, definitely getting 48, 48, 48 and 48 all in a row against the <laughs> Rams, Steelers, Saints, and Jags. The only one that I see potentially not going over and that would be because the Jags struggle in Seattle would be that game outside of that I think they all go over and I can then, see that Steelers one going under okay quite possibly it could be a defensive game with it being in Heinz Field that is a primetime game as well so something to think about there but then also that 48 for the Vikings so mm-hmm. I mean you know are are there 48s going to be the over or the 48s going to have to be something you're going to be tentative on yeah then they drop down to some 45s and a half, 46 and a half against the San Francisco 49ers, mm. against the football team. Yeah. So it's going to have to be some spots you're going to have to uh, definitely key in on. We're definitely going to have to get a little bit into the season here with the Seahawks, and it's going to be the exact spot when uh, you're either going to be backing them over under, and you're, it's going to. I would say it's going to depend on not only the matchup, but it's it's really going to depend yeah. on what the hell the Hawks are doing. I think this might be a team over under that the books might uh, pull the wool on us as far, or at least the public, because I don't think it's going to be back to back. You're going to see a similar type of games from the Seahawks, kind of like. Oh, you saying. don't bet with the public? Uh, not not typically, no. Oh, but what damn. I mean is, like, this team might what put the up. Fuck, have I been doing? <laughs> Like week two, it might be, like I said, like a 30-30 type game. And then you're thinking week three, Seahawks, Vikings, it goes way over. And then I mean, I, I, don't know. I'm I don't just, know. I'm just being a facetious ass today yeah. because like we're cashing fucking tickets. And I mean, hey, anytime anybody wants to start cashing tickets with us, come on on board. <laughs> yeah. I'm just fucking out here giving out money. Yeah. No problem. No way, no how. But I do uh, I do agree with you. Yeah. Um, I, I think... I just think it's going to come down to what are the Seahawks going to be offensively mm-hmm. this year. And if they can produce, if they produce consistently, then fuck yeah, they're an over sure. team. Now, every other team they play has an offense that can definitely push the total over. But sure. old Russ ain't cooking, and uh, they're trying to hammer that ball down the throats of their uh, defensive opponents via the run. Ain't going to work this year, boys. So let me ask you, partner. 
We've talked about week by week, but now we got to go back to week one. It's not way too early anymore. Seven days away from the start of the season, officially 10 days away from the first football Sunday. Holy shit, I'm pretty sure I just had a brief palpitation. That being said, week one against the Indianapolis Colts, the Blue Horseshoe in Lucas Oil Stadium. Yep. The... Seattle Seahawks have now flipped from an opening line of three points plus three point underdogs to now a two and a half point favorites with the uncertainty of Carson Wentz and not to mention all the other stuff going on in Indianapolis. Now, that all being said, do you have the guts to back the Colts plus the two and a half? You think they defend home turf or are the Seahawks coming in hot week one, starting it off early and we don't even need to worry about a minus two and a half because they're getting this done by 15. I'm going to go with the Seahawks in this one, just with all the uncertainties of the Colts, my man, at least on offense. That Colts defense is still probably going to be looking good. I don't know what to expect as far as the final score of this game, but I do believe that even if it is Carson Wentz, uh, maybe that line will move, but I do believe that Russell Wilson can outduel whoever that quarterback is on the other side of things because as much as I like the Colts defense, I don't know what their offense does. Even if uh, the Seahawks defense struggles, I think the Seahawks defense can handle themselves against whoever's going with this Colts offense. So give me the minus two and a half with the, Col- or with the Seahawks excuse me, in week one, partner. All right. Well, I would have to lean with you as well. Yeah. I'm looking over here at the old phone. I'm gonna have to do a little bit of investigating uh, things here. It looks like Asante Samuel is uh, blowing up Bill Belichick. I don't want to talk over. I don't want to like get too far into that because I don't know. But Dove Kleeman, respect Dove. Shout out Dove. Uh, was just putting out something. Asante Samuel was like saying something about his what he does in free agency and like how he'll pick up players off the street. Asante Senior or is... Asante Senior? Okay, Asante Senior. Yeah, huh. not not Junior in Carolina. No. Right. Yeah, Asante Senior. So I gotta I gotta read into that because usually when Dove puts something out like that, it's it's pretty hot and juicy. So I gotta see what the hell Samuel's huh. saying. But little denanet denanet for you, little uh, side. And that'll side be a, yeah, a little investigation yeah, later little, on. Little something we'll talk about potentially. Uh, but yeah, I would also lean with the Seahawks minus two and a half i think they get it done by a touchdown i i just don't know with all the question marks here in indianapolis especially man i was so high on ty baby ty was back and now son of a bitch i mean at least for the first six weeks he's on ir so who knows what actually happens in indianapolis my heart goes out to you colts fans because yeah. we we were pretty doggone high on yeah. him too especially okay quentin nelson's gonna be coming back in carson wentz coming back in that all being said, man, I, I got to go with the Seattle Seahawks minus two here yep. in this one. And then as far as the game total, it's set at 52. So who the hell I'm knows staying if away. this is going to be over. Yeah, this maybe be under, under, but I'm staying away. Yeah, may, maybe under, but then again, yeah, I don't Well, what do you see from the Colts offense? Who knows? Stay away. Stay away from the game total in this one. But uh, if we were had to make a selection, definitely take the Seahawks minus two and a half. All right, so that does it. It is down to 48 and a half. Apologies. Down to 48 and a half. Wow, okay. So maybe at the 52, it was worth an undershot. (laughs) I'm staying away. Now we need to stay way away away because I do believe all of the value has all but gone out of that, and it might finish at like a 49 or Mm -hmm. 50 and a bad beat to start the season. You don't need it. Let's uh, step away from the week-by-week looks and uh, zoom out a little bit, if you will, on the microscope. Look full season, big picture. Get back to the season win total. Now, I told you just about a brief half hour ago that the uh, Hawks season win total is set at 10 wins. Mm -hmm. Now, per my prediction, 
they go nine and eight. Per Max prediction, they go ten and seven. Either way, that is a pickle and a half because you can't cash a ticket with the same number. And the Hawks, I feel, should go over, but for me, they're gonna go under, and that is very concerning. The books are very confused as well. Yep. The over 10 is set at minus 110, and the under 10 is at minus 110. So nothing really there to write home about. This line, however, did open at 9.5, so it has ticked up to the 10. But I think that's because they get right at 10 wins, and this has no value either way. Um, They could still make the playoffs with 10 wins. It's going to take a lot in the NFC West, but... I think this is a firm stay away, and I yep. think they get right at 10 wins. Yep. I am firmly staying away, my man. I lean towards the under, but there's no chance that I'm betting against Russell Wilson. May I mean, because there's a Danger world. Ross. Yeah, because, I mean, even if, I mean, there's a world in which Pete Carroll has seen the light and he realized, I have to let Russ cook, and they win another 12 games. I'm not betting on that. Having said that, if he still doesn't realize that he needs to pass Russell Wilson and this offense despite the play calling can still lead them to you know 10 wins so like you I am staying way the hell away here partner partner can I say something real quick yep I am so fucking excited (laughs) for this evening oh my gosh dude I just got a fucking fantasy update now I got to start building some rankings doing some additional side stuff on top of the list that I've already made I got to dive deep into that tonight hey you said it before the show they don't know it it is a three tv and a computer type of night ladies most definitely it is going to be bananas but that all being said I had to get that out of my chest I I couldn't let that sit in there any longer so prayers up to the east coast hopefully we can get all these games played yes T's and P's for sure Uh, Temple and Rutgers Rutgers already got cancelled so we'll talk about that let's stick to the Seahawks we'll talk about that at the end of the show Uh, as far as to make miss the playoffs it is about as valuable as that total is yes is at minus 130 no is at plus 108 I'm not betting against Danger Russ nope you better believe that but I'm also a little bit concerned that maybe 10 wins doesn't get them in the playoffs. Yep. With the NFC West, it very well could happen. So again, make miss playoffs, firm stay away. Yep, I got nothing to add there. All right, so then as far as the division, the conference, and the Super Bowl 56, the Seahawks are third in the NFC West, plus 280 odds to win that bad boy. I think it's going to be the Rams. I talked about it with the Rams it obviously correlates to my coach of the year selection. It obviously mm-hmm. coach correlates to my Super Bowl winner selection, yeah. the Rams. So I don't think they win this one. I think it's good value at plus 280. It could very well be a shootout, and everything we're saying here could be completely out of our asses. And Maybe we get three double-digit win teams. Yeah, and the Seahawks come out of nowhere and sure. surprise the shit out of every analyst who's kind of saying the same tune we are. Right. So. I'm going to say stay away from that one for me. Yeah, I'm staying away, man. I just think there's a world. I mean, the Seahawks could excel past what we're talking about, and they could still be 11 and 12 wins in second place. I think either the the Niners or the Rams are going to win 13 games this year. Yeah, I agree with you. And then as far as the NFC goes, I suppose if they do get into the playoffs, it might have a little bit of value if you are a 12th man, quote-unquote, a diehard at plus 1000 right now they are fifth overall to win the nfc so not unworth a look but i'm gonna stay away because again i got the rams winning the nfc yeah. and maybe i'm a little biased but i mean the last couple of years they've made the playoffs but we see the way they stack up at that uh, point against the packers the rams uh, lost to the rams last year lost to the packers two years ago when they were obviously a 13 win team but not type not quite the uh efficient offense that we saw last year experience uh, i mean and they just don't have 
they just don't have a complete team like these other teams, the Bucks, Packers, yeah. and Rams, Niners do. Yeah. So I'm staying way away from this one. And I'm sh- sorry, you're not going to depend on D. Eskridge to get you four nope. touchdowns in a playoff game. Nope. Ah, gosh darn it, man. It, it we. The grave gets a little bit deeper Seriously, and man. deeper as we go on through well, this they lost show. Some but important depth. Damn. Yeah. Bam. Either Without way, adding anybody. Super Bowl 56. I'm going to stay from that one away from that one as well. Same for the partner, I would imagine. Uh, plus 2,000, ninth overall right now to win Super Bowl 56. As far as the future market goes or any additional value, we can't just say, oh, hey, here, here's the total. Stay away. Here's the playoffs. Go away. Oh, yeah. Here's uh, some other stuff. Stay away from that, too. And just say, oh, yeah, there's our analysis. We can't just do that to you. Some stuff worth looking at that I think uh, would be ha- – I've already added to my bet slip. Okay. Uh, don't know if I'm going to do a little half unit, full unit, three-quarters of a unit. I don't know what I'm going to do on this yet, but I do <laughs> like it. Uh, either way, um, Russ right now, MVP. Uh, I haven't added this one because obviously if you read my NFL Honors blog, uh, I got Aaron Rodgers. But Russ for MVP plus 2,000. If he starts the season like he did last year and continues that on all the way through the course of the season, most definitely, because he was everybody's MVP favorite last year, and right. he should have won it, but he, he just fell off the face of the right. earth at the end of the year. Would have won it if he kept up. Would have won it, absolutely. So Can't let you say should have won should've, it, my guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, plus 2,000 uh, for Russ, definitely worth a look, yeah. maybe quite potentially, possibly. I feel like this number is just the books kind of coaxing you into taking Russ based yeah. off that storyline once again, because he's never gotten an MVP vote, and a lot of people are like, oh, how has he never gotten an MVP vote? Well, you look at every single year, Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't deserve an MVP vote. He deserves all the respect in the world for being in that conversation every year, but... You know, if uh, if the season goes out the way we're expecting it to, he isn't going to get another vote again. Like I said, if Pete Carroll sees the light, then this bet does definitely has some value. But the way it's priced, if it was around plus 15 or less, I might be interested in it. But at this high, I think it's really a trap. Yeah, I agree with you, too. And, uh, well, I guess once again, we kind of say stay away from this one. But, uh, hey, it definitely has potential. If you kind of been eyeing it, it has potential. The path if is there. The as path we say, is though. there, as we say. Now, one we will tell you, this one I have added to my bet slip and I think is worth a big, big look as long as he stays healthy and everything remains oiled up and good to go. Most receiving yards, DK Metcalf is at plus 1,300 right now. I don't even know if they have a play in their playbook where Metcalf goes less than 15 yards. Yeah. I don't know, like, if he even has a curl route in his route tree. I, every fucking route he runs is 50 yards downfield and it's a bomb and he very rarely doesn't catch that ball and rust dropping dimes it's it's unbeatable so i've hammered it in i might do a full unit i might do a half unit i know he was close last year he was he was uh he had right around 1300 yards which was like i think sixth or seventh but i mean as far as how far away from the top it was only uh a couple hundred yards away from the top yeah so definitely worth a look in my opinion like i said i've added it to my bet slip and i think it might be worth a little sprinkle yeah i uh i don't know if i'll hammer it in but i do like the value here i mean if you're betting on him to take another step forward in his third year which history shows that is a nice year to bet on somebody i might be interested the only reason i'm staying tentative is that there's just a handful of other guys tyreek hill Devonte adams stefan diggs justin jefferson that could be in that conversation i do like the value though i'm i'm not saying stay away i might be talked into it but uh, i'm not hammering in quite yet here 
All right. Well, I uh, once again am uh, kind of a little bit differing with you, but uh, a little bit on the same page too. Bit. Like it could definitely uh, the path is there. The path is again. certainly there, and I'm uh, I'm definitely a little bit higher on it than you are. So either way, I, I think I might be talked into it. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, either way, definitely might be worth a little bit of a look there for Mr. Metcalf. Most receiving yards at plus thirteen hundred. That all being said. That uh, is about all the value we got, value we located, value we found, what we're thinking week by week, everything in between the entire betting preview segment of episode number 116. It's time to wrap things up with the fourth and final segment here for the Seahawks. Then we'll talk some nonsense, some college football, everything else, give you some updates for the rest of the week and next week. Holy cow. Fourth and final segment of the day. Our best fantasy advice in what we have coined. Start, stash, or pass. Let's go. Rapid fire. Showtime partner. Quarterback room. Danger. Russ Wilson. Mr. Unlimited. Are you targeting him in your upcoming draft or maybe a handcuff of Geno Wilson? And if you do... Say that one again? Or (laughs) Geno Smith. I apologize. (laughs) Geno Smith. Uh, Are you starting them, stashing them, or are you passing on these two guys all together in 2021? Uh, yeah, no thanks to Geno Smith. If uh, anything happens to Russ, he ain't worth a damn anyways. Uh, Russell Wilson, I would absolutely love to start him. He was a number... Geno Wilson. Yeah, Geno Wilson. Uh, QB number six in fantasy last year, Russell Wilson. Tailed off as the season went on, kind of like their season did, and his production went because of the way they changed up that offense. So, you know, if... If they go run heavy like they did at the end of the season, he still has value. I think, uh, you know, typically I, we always talk about it. We don't take quarterbacks this early. So I certainly am not going to be in the range of taking Russell Wilson as much as I'd like to have him. So start him if I got him, but I, he's not going to be in my draft range here. I don't know. I don't think he goes off the board too early this year. No? I think you're uh, over overvaluing that on that end of the aspect. Even the last five years, I've, I've been able to get my hands on him okay. more times often than not. And uh, especially with my quarterback draft strategy. Okay. So... I think he's going to fall a little bit, especially with how last season ended. Some of the smaller uh, quarterback point totals, uh, fantasy-wise, they lean a little bit more run-heavy. I think he falls a little bit more than what we're expecting, and uh, I think he can definitely be a solid QB1 option for the price that you're going to get him at. So I will definitely start him, and then same here uh, with Geno Smith. He is not worth a plugged nickel when it comes to fantasy, so leave him on the waiver wire. Running backs, Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. Are you starting, stashing, or passing altogether? I'll take Penny as a handcuff because uh, whoever is the bulk carries in this offense uh, for the running back, it's going to have some value. So if anything happens to Carson, Penny's got some value. Chris Carson, I will absolutely take. He ended up number 19 running back in fantasy, but that's because he missed a handful of games. He had a 15.7 average when he was in there. Pretty damn solid. Low-end RB1, high-end RB2 for me. So I would absolutely start him. Not sure exactly where he's going in drafts, but I most definitely would take him if I can get him. Same here. Uh, I would put Carson in the RB1 tier. I definitely think he has that RB1 yeah. production all year long. I was kind of leaning a little bit more to the RB2. He's a very, very, very solid RB2. I just think maybe sometimes he just doesn't get the production to have enough for RB1. Right. And there's only a few younger guys, when you really think about it, that are kind of creeping up a little bit ahead of him. Yeah, so I would say hell of an RB2. Hell yeah. And there. There. hell of an RB2. And if you get him as your RB1, hopefully you got some be sick Be very, yeah. very, very careful with who you take for your RB2. Yeah. Do not fuck yourself, right. please. 
Hopefully your stack that receiver is kind of where I'm thinking. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But that being said, I hope so. If you are targeting uh, the Seattle uh, running back room, please be uh, be either tentative or hefty in wide receivers before you make a move there. Speaking of wide receivers, how about the wide receiver room in Seattle? DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, D. Eskridge. We'll save the other two guys because I don't think they have much fantasy value. No. Are you starting, stashing, or passing all together? I'll start with Eskridge. I'm going to red flag him. If it's Dynasty, I would take him. Um, and the reason I'm red flagging him and not taking him, uh, you know, the last couple of years with this current uh, group of guys, Metcalf and Lockett, their number three receiver last year was David Moore. He had 35 catches, 417 yards. That was their number three receiver. 2019 was even worse for whoever their number three was. So. I think Eskridge might be right around there, but like we said, we don't really know how he's going to be used, so red flagging him, but I'm not wasting a draft spot. I'm in a redraft this year. I would have to agree with you on that. Um, Pretty much same for me. DK Metcalf uh, solidifies himself as RB1, no question in... or RB1, wide receiver one, no question in my mind. Uh, Lockett, definitely wide receiver two with that wide receiver breakout, wide receiver one breakout from week to week. You just don't know if he's actually going to get that deep bomb touchdown or if it's just going to be six receptions for 42 yards. Yeah. More often than not, it's the latter, but you definitely like to have right. him as a wide receiver two or wide receiver three with the production he can't have. And then also D. Eskridge, yeah, I'm going to pass on him here for 2021 just because I don't know how much work he actually does get or if he does get work, if he's just going to kind of be a decoy to help Lockett and Metcalf get a lot more production. So I too will stay away from him, maybe dynasty purposes late round, yeah. uh, but definitely worth a red flag. Well, you got something to get out there. What do you I got? I skipped over Metcalf and Lockett, in my <laughs> oh, opinions. And those oh, guys, so okay. I'm a little higher. They were number seven and number eight receivers last year. I mean, we talk about, you talk about it, especially not having the same two guys on the same team. I'm not saying to do that, but these two guys might actually be the two in the entire league that you could find yourself in that situation and you might be okay with that both top 10 receivers last year i don't know that we see them both in there again i do see some increase in metcalf but even lockett every single year he's always been that incredible deep threat but year over year the last couple years he's really improved what he can do throughout the rest of the game and the rest of the field in those route running trees so i would love to have both of these guys as my wide receiver one here all right i was wondering you're trying to get something out there fast. i was like what'd you forget what are you missing I didn't even guy? mention these guys all right so there you go our opinions on the wide receiver room and then as far as tight ends go, yeah. it is projected uh, Will Disley, but they got Gerald Everett from uh, the Rams. Mm-hmm. And Gerald Everett was kind of always clouded by um, Tyler Higby. And right. now I'm super high on Tyler Higby for him not having to be handcuffed by Everett. Right. And now I'm super high on Everett not having to be handcuffed by Higby. Okay. I think he takes over the Disley role. Sure. Disley has been damn good, but I think Everett flashes way more than he does, and I think they give him those opportunities. Everett is a damn good tight end, and I think that he could easily be, you know, we always talk about those top 10 guys, then the upper echelon right after those, you know, about the next 10, 20 guys there. And I think Gerald Everett firmly plants himself in there this season. I think he's worth a uh, a pickup for sure. Later on in the rounds, you're still needing the tight end. I would not be upset with Gerald Everett at all. But some weeks you are going to want to at least have a backup in place or a red flag or something because there will be weeks where he has a tough, tough defensive matchup and he's going to have a catch for seven yards. And okay. you do not want that. But I'm extremely high on Gerald Everett and I would say start him and Will Disley potential, potentially too. I'm going to pass on him for now. I just want to see what we get 
in the second season now from Disley. Okay. You're much higher on these guys than I am. I I don't know if I'm drafting either of these guys. I am staying way the hell away. I don't know if it's going to be both of these guys getting too much production or, you know, uh, competing for production here or not. So I'm uh, I'm I'm actually singing a way different tune here. This is one of our biggest differences we've had. I am staying way the hell away from these guys. Okay. Well, uh, I will uh, firmly stick with what I'm. Go saying. ahead. Yeah. I think uh, I don't hate what you said. Yeah. I just yeah. Personally, I just haven't seen it from these guys, so I'm staying away. All right. Yeah. And I think uh, the reason yeah, again, just to kind of reiterate mm-hmm. that the reason why um, we I think we haven't seen it from ever was just because of that yeah overhanging cloud. But then That's again, fair. kind of to go with your point as well. Maybe now Disley kind of becomes his next overhanging cloud. So maybe it is worth a complete stay away altogether. If you are in a pinch, you need a tight end. I think Gerald Everett will get it done from you for week to week. Yeah. Now watch that me all being said. as my backup in our league or something. <laughs> yeah, watch you go right after him. Absolutely. Now, as far as the kicker goes, they got Jason Myers coming back this year. Um, if I do so vaguely remember, he's definitely good enough for the mm-hmm. top 15, top 20, maybe even way better than that. So if you are needing a kicker, I think Jason Myers is definitely worth a look. They might get into a spot late in the season, fantasy playoffs, where uh, they're kicking a lot of field goals, Mm -hmm. and he might just get you an extra point or two that you so desperately need. So Jason Myers worth a look in my mind. And then this defense, I'm going to stay way the hell away. I do not know what we get. I am very concerned we might get negative fantasy points from week to week from this team after being a solid double-digit fantasy team year over year. We saw regression last year. I think we see regression again, and I'm going to be very tentative, and I'm going to pass on the defense altogether. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Jason Myers, number nine kicker, I would definitely take him. I think he's going to be right in that range again, if not better. So I definitely, he might be a guy that I'm looking at. Seahawks defense, much like you, number 20 defense last year. I think it might be right around that same number again. So I am staying way the hell away from that defense. Maybe there's one or two games, but I'm not even really seeing a couple except for maybe the Jags and Texans lines that I might be interested in. So I'm staying way away. All right. So we are pretty much on the same page with everything except just a little bit of difference there on the tight end room. However, that officially does it. The entire fantasy advice for the Seattle Seahawks from the TTL crew in start, stash, or pass. And my friends, that officially does it. Everything 2021 Seahawks. We gave you the full offensive and defensive breakdowns and projections from yours and yours truly. We gave you our full schedule breakdown and record predictions. We talked about all the betting value, not only weekly, not only daily, but also zoomed on out and went to the future markets as well. And then we just got done giving you all of our best fantasy advice. You got it all. It'll be right here all the way to and through the start of the NFL season, which as a reminder is now only seven days away. Cannot wait. All right. Before we get into uh, the rest of the show, some announcements, some stuff to talk about here. One thing we do have to do, my friends, do have to do, is send the Seattle Seahawks about their 2021 seasons the only way we know how. So, without further ado, two. Pete Carroll, Shane Waldron, and Ken Norton, every offensive, defensive, and special teams player in Seattle, and each and every member of the 12th man and the Seahawks organization, we wish you the best of luck in 2021. We hope you have nothing but success, and as always, Godspeed. Godspeed. There we are, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. No more Seattle Seahawks. The entire season preview is a wrap, paper or plastic. 
All right, my friends. So that all being said, quick little sip roo there for you, boy. Before we carry on here, uh, got about uh, 12 minutes here till 11:30 hour. So let's talk just a little bit of uh, nonsense. We'll get a little Armag sidebar, and then we'll dive into some motivation minutes. Get you about your Thursdays. So. Partner, anything burning on the brain, melting on the heart, festering on the soul, you have been dying to get out to the kind folks that joined us on episode number 116 of the Talking the Line podcast on this beautiful September 2nd, 2021. All right, nothing crazy again, but Russell Wilson, how about a little uh, all-time update for the man, Russell Wilson, future Hall of Famer, but where will he rank all-time on TD's yards? As it stands right now, he is actually 19th all-time in touchdowns. A little higher than I would have expected. And big old split from his yards. He is 35th all-time in yards. Oh, wow. Passes touchdowns at a higher clip, apparently. Uh, he is at 267 for his career in touchdowns. Uh, John Elway is 12th with, with 300. So, another solid season. Uh, and Russ could be in that, should be in that top 15 and be knocking on the door for top 10. And then as it goes on, he is going to be right up there uh, trying to compete for those records if he keeps up this for another five, six years. I mentioned yards, 35th all-time with 3,946. Obviously going to move up that uh, list as well, but uh, not going to be as high as that touchdown list. But 19th all-time, that was a lot higher than I was expecting. So I could see, I mean, if he plays, I think he's been in the league eight years, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe that's a little off. Since 2012. I think so. So, yeah, eight, nine years. So if he plays even close to uh, how these other guys are playing, he's going to be well over 500 touchdowns, man. I would have to agree with you. So let me ask you this. First ballot Hall of Famer? Yeah. If he retired today, yes. Really? Yeah, one okay. and one in the Super Bowl. Okay. Already top 20 all-time touchdowns. Yeah. Okay. I yep. would have to agree with you as well. Uh, Russ is uh, he's special, man. Yeah, man. He's special. He's something different. So, hey, I didn't. Uh, I definitely wouldn't have put him up there in 19th. You know, he, get, he gets the yardage, maybe not so much always the touchdowns, but doggone, that's pretty damn good. And, uh, hey, maybe we see an MVP season from Russ. Maybe. 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 Who knows? But you heard it How here first. How about a first. vote first? How about a vote? How about just an MVP yeah. vote? That would be pretty solid. That would be pretty cool to actually see for once. But that all being said, you heard it here first. Thank you for your sidebar partner. Of course. All right. Now, a little bit of nonsense, a little bit of banter. What do we got coming up in the coming days? So, tomorrow, Whew. episode number 117. I have been had, done, had this date circled on me calendar yeah. for a very long time. This is the first opportunity in 27 days, which will be 28 tomorrow, that we will be bringing you a full betting show. We are back to a daily sports gambling podcast, ladies hey, oh. and gentlemen. It is back to business as usual. So here's what we're doing tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit about the format if we're actually going to set it up exactly like how we do the the regular daily show, right. my picks, mags picks, money line dice roll, special play, yada yada yada. Might do a little something different cuz I've already looked into tomorrow and all the way through Saturday and the early slate of Sunday. Right. I've burned down some hours last night going through lineups, stats, Previous trends, all types of shit. I was all over the map last night till about 11, 12 o'clock at night, just burning the midnight oil. So that all being said, we'll have a lot of value. I know you got a lot of value oh, yeah. too. So 
We'll have spreads, we'll have money lines, we'll have game totals. I know I shouldn't do it, but I keep fucking having this idea, this teaser in my head, and I know I shouldn't tease college football because they're too damn big. I don't know, maybe. Maybe it makes an appearance, or maybe I would like to keep my reputation as a handicapper intact and not tease college football. So, that all being said, tomorrow, episode 117. Pause on the NFL Special Editions. College Football Special Edition is live tomorrow. So make sure uh, you stop by. We'll get you our best bets. Uh, might be a little bit shorter than, than it uh, has been here now. Might add on uh, little ransom reactions. Who knows? But uh, just know we're dishing out nothing but best bets, special plays, and everything in between for college football tomorrow and all the way through the weekend. Oh. So get ready to cash some fucking tickets with the crew. I mean, people I know are excited for Saturday. I don't think anyone's uh, really talking about how good this card is on Friday and even Sunday, man. The Friday's a little bit more lackluster. There's a That's few why, yeah, games. I'm just a nerd dude yeah, for football. Yeah, I, I don't know. know. I know. There's, <laughs> like tonight, tonight is fucking yeah. electric. And then Friday, there's like some of those... FIU's and I think then is Michigan yeah. State Northwestern Friday, I do believe. That is Friday, but we cannot bet on it, so ah, it doesn't effing matter. I don't care. Um, I still love it. Because I did like MSU plus three and a half. As but do I. Uh, yeah, obviously can't bet with Northwestern uh, playing. I hate the gambling rules of Illinois. That all being said, um, yeah, that's everything CFB show. So uh, tune in tomorrow. We'll be back to business as usual. But just for tomorrow, because then on Monday, and we'll remind you about this, Monday through Wednesday, we're going back to the NFL Special Editions. Just briefly, not, not a whole much more. Only three more remaining after today. We got three left, boys and girls. Holy shit. Can you believe how fast that flew? Can you believe? You remember when we just started this shindig with the Arizona Cardinals? Can you believe that? And then we just wrapped up the Seahawks? Sheesh. How about that? This kind of all just came full circle as I'm talking about everything that's yeah. about to roll out <laughs> with a bird and a bird. How about that? There you go. So, Monday... We will be kicking things off with I believe that is Tampa, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then we will go into the Tennessee Titans, and then close it all out with the Washington Football Team. Damn, I didn't even look. That was just alphabetical. Who the hell have we not done? So those will be the three final teams. Obviously, Washington Football Team final NFL Special Edition on Wednesday, September the eighth. But Wednesday, September the eighth has a little bit something else. It sure does entailed with it now uh one thing i would tell you is that uh trying as i try and fix the old headphones here all types of uh every which direction so uh on september the 8th we are releasing our new show wise words now as a reminder the daily show is going nowhere we will still be live every single day, 10 a.m. to 11, 11.30 every single day, Monday through Friday. No question about it. We'll always be dishing out picks. But every single Wednesday from September 8th, they're on out, we will be releasing a new episode of Wise Words, which is a pre-recorded interview-based show with some of the most electric minds, personalities, and everything in between in the sports gambling industry. We got professional handicappers. We got sports book managers. We got odds makers. We got deputy editors for some of the biggest sports betting content in the world. Yes. Seen by more eyes than ever, and he has agreed to come and talk with us. I'm incredibly honored and humbled to be able to bring this to you guys, we have made some awesome connections very early in our journey. So we are uh, not only 
doing this kind of for us and to learn more about the people we look up to and and kind of build those connections but we're doing it for you guys yeah. we want you to learn about these people that we have so much respect for and learn about why we fell in love with the sports gambling industry and hear from hear stories from those exact same people who have a passion and love for the industry just as we do and hear their stories. How did they get into it? Why do they have such a love for it? Maybe hear some tips and tricks from them as to how you can improve your betting game. Maybe you're a brand new better. Maybe you hear something from them as it would be the number one thing you need to start doing right now. Maybe you hear some past life stories from them, some things, maybe a, the worst beat they've ever had in their entire life. Mm -hmm. Who knows what you might hear, but I can guarantee you it will be jam-packed for 30 to 45 minutes with nothing but info, knowledge, laughs, everything in between that you can possibly imagine on Wise Words. It is going to be a blast. We are uh, recording our first episode this Saturday. We have uh, locked down our main man. Not going to tell you who. Mm -hmm. uh, I was uh, speaking with him again last night. Very, very excited. Everything is confirmed. Everything is good to go. So cannot wait to bring this to you guys. And it's only going to get bigger and better. Just, just as everything we do here at TTL yeah. Sports Media. Never uh, seems to decline in any way, shape, or fashion. So remember that. You got a new show coming from TTL Sports Media next Wednesday, September the 8th, right before we kick off the NFL season. Wise words. I cannot wait to bring it to you guys. That all being said, before I dish out some motivation minutes for you guys, uh, a couple of quick reminders. Make sure at the very least, uh, just so you can get updates, tune in to the uh, TTL pod daily we'll always uh, give you the updates of anything we have going on and at the bare minimum follow us on twitter yep. at talking the line you'll always find our latest updates what's going on our bets we might be making analysis we're finding we always put it on twitter out of anywhere and then you might be able to find it on some of our other platforms if you're looking for other platforms or additional content just head on over yonder to this episode's description you'll see that talking the line link tree click that bad boy we got all of our social platforms and additional content all in one convenient location so go check it out consume all of that whenever you guys damn well feel like it all of that told you about our action network apps uh make sure you follow us there i'm at cash underscore with underscore colt riley is at our mags in all caps and then once we get back to business as usual cash and gridiron tickets you can find all of those at talking the line all the best bets from the daily show if you don't have the action network app but you still want a little bit of value still want a little bit of additional uh opportunity to play some of our best bets of the day go to talkingtheline.com, hit that today's best bets tab and you'll see everything lined out Nice and easy for you right there as well. We make everything we do super user-friendly. Mm -hmm. We don't want to make this shit hard on you because it's already hard enough when we're trying to sweat out these games yeah, and okay. cash these tickets. So we make everything else very easy for you. And you, you can actually bet on your favorite sports book from TalkingTheLine.com. You can really? see whatever. What a, really? Can you believe this? I can't. You can go to the Today's Best Bets huh. tab. You can see a widget of a team that we really like. Really? And you hit this widget. And it takes you to a whole nother page. You say, whoa, 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 where am I going? Where am I going? And then all of a sudden, my face or your face populates huh. with that nice little emblem. And then it gives you every sports book available in your state that you love. And if you haven't signed up for that one, most of the time you get $250 to $500 deposit bonus if you sign up to us. Can you believe that shit? I can't. Hell of an opportunity. Hell of an opportunity. Hell of an idea. Check out the Today's Best Bets tab on TalkingTheLine.com. 
might have a little something something there for you and then oh maybe if you just meander on around into tally site too through that which probably will happen mm-hmm we got a nice little 75% discount for you there. You're only paying less than a dollar for what other people are paying 20 to 50 to $75 for. You're getting easy access to it. So go check it out. TalkToTheLine.com slash today's best bets. Today's dash best dash bets. All right. That's everything, my friend. I got it all out. You got it all. Uh, let's see. Anything additional here that I need to cover before we get on out of here? Uh, nothing major. Curtis Samuel does look like he is back with the Washington football team. So another solid ad there for uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the team that we continue to be higher Riverboat Ryan. by the day. But uh, Riverboat Ryan. So that's all being said. Uh, about does it here. Let's send you kind folks on about your Thursdays the only way I know how with my motivation minutes. Now, let me lean over yonder and get my pen again. Keep uh, having the case of the dropsies here today. But this one's short and sweet. And this one is actually going to entail you doing a little bit of investigating, a little bit of thinking on your own. And I'm going to take you back to that path that uh, we were looking in the past at the beginning of the week, and then we got on, we were looking a little bit too far in the future. Now, we're right here in the present moment. Talked to you about yesterday about being careful about who you choose to walk with you on that path. Now, let's just focus on only us. Only us on the path this moment. And where I'm kind of going with this, and frame to kind of frame it all together, I hear a lot of the guys or gals that I look up to in this kind of space, the motivational speaking, that kind of space that speak on what you become in a process is more important than what you acquire. And there's many, many different perspectives and ideas and thoughts. And I thought last night, why don't I throw my hat in the ring on that? And actually, this whole path could be real good for something maybe a lot of people haven't heard. So let's go back to this path and think about it in this mindset of you're going through your process and who you become is more important than what you acquire. Think about this. What mindset do you find yourself having? You're walking down the path. It's that beautiful sunny day again. The birds are chirping. You got a nice, smooth wind on the skin. Not too hot, not too cool. You look, and there's some beautiful flowers, some roses, some tulips, some daffodils. And you think to yourself, boy, I can't wait to pick every single one of these and go tell everybody how beautiful them and how good I am for me picking them. Are you so fast to grab all of those roses and go show everybody that you were able to pick every rose on your path? Or... As you're walking down your path and you take note of that rose, do you take note in your mind of, wow, I didn't used to view that in that perspective. Wow, I didn't used to take the time for that. Whoa, this really means a lot. Hey, have you seen this before? Have you learned about this before? I just found this out and I think it could be really valuable to you. Not... You see what I've done? I've done all of this. This is so great. I'm so great. Where do you fall? Where do you find yourself there? And that's kind of my perspective on this whole what you become 
in a process is more important than what you acquire. As you go down that path and you continue to walk that hard process without looking too far back in the past and trying to see if those previous rocks can still trip you up or not, or looking too far in the future and making a rock look like a boulder when it's really going to be nothing when you eventually get to it. When you're right here and now, and you focus on whatever process you're in, and your main determination is what you acquire, your mindset, your ability to persevere, your ability to face an adversity and know that, shit, I don't have the answers, but I'm going to figure this out one way or another. As those start to build, your perspective on those roses gets stronger. Your perspective on the things that mean the most and what you're acquiring in your life gets stronger. You stop worrying about those things in the future. And maybe that might be a boulder right now and I see it and I'm aware of it. But I'm not going to let it worry me right now because I'm too concerned about trying to Figure out how these roses can add to my life. Not acquiring them, not gaining them, not showing them off to everybody, the cars, the clothes, the money, whatever. But what do those things add to my life and how can I add to the lives of others because of those things? And that's my thought on those. On the, on the quote, what you become is more important than what you acquire. And obviously, there's many different perspectives, but I kind of wanted to give that one to you guys today for a little something to think about. And I told you I'd leave it a little open-ended, kind of let you spin down there, kind of hit some rabbit holes of your own, because I think that's very important with this one. It's very, very important to remember that what you're becoming because of an adversity, because of a process, because of a situation is so much more important than what you ever acquire so much more important. There is no monetary value and no item that you can put a price on that equivalates to mental and spiritual freedom. There's not one. So think about that today. As you kind of think about, you got your mental image now, now we're in the moment, we're in the present, we're taking stock of the roses, but we're not showing them off to everybody how good we are that we picked them and we're the best because we know how to pick the roses and the daffodils and everything the better than everybody else. But how can I use this rose and what I've acquired because of it internally to help others see that rose in the same perspective that I do? I'll leave you with that. I know it's a little bit deeper than usual and I know you might have some rabbit holes going on right now but that's very important for this one. So remember, who you become is much more important than what you acquire. And that does it for my motivation minutes of the day. Good stuff, man. Yeah, like you said, I think that's more of a person-to-person basis, totally different examples for every single person. So, yeah, not really too much I can add because, uh, you know, what I have in my head about it is going to be totally different from you and whatever our listeners as, as is doing in their heads as well. Absolutely. So... I like to uh, I like to drop those those rabbit holes every once in a while. Give you uh, give you kind of a challenge. How can I apply that in my life? How can I think about this in the certain process or the certain thing that I'm doing? Or oh shit, maybe 
Colt just called me out on the carpet. I need to correct how I'm coming. I got to, I got to get a few things set, and that's okay. That's all right. You got time. You can always hit that reset button. It ain't no big thing. I ain't judging you. I'm human too. I put my legs in my pants one at a time in the morning just like you do. So I rarely have a leg to stand on in a lot of things. But what I will tell you, never claim to be a shwarmy, shwaman, shwarmy, shwama, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. I never claim to be a genius. But what I do know is some of these things and these thoughts and perspectives have helped me survive this thing we call life. And I will continue to deliver them in my motivation minutes. So I hope you enjoy them. I appreciate each and every one of you. Seems like somebody new by the day reaches out and say, hey, man, uh, thank you for those motivation minutes. Or I really enjoy your minute section. I didn't know you did those before. I'm going to keep doing them. They're going to keep coming. And thank you so much for the kind words. I do this for you guys. I want you guys to get on this same wavelength and frequency that I'm operating on. Because if we're always on that, and Mags, Mags is coming here with me, boys and girls. We're operating and we're going. And I'm telling you, if we can all be on that same frequency, we are going to bust down some doors. You best believe me. So hop on the rocket ship. We ain't quite left orbit yet. We're orbit is right in sight, but we still got seats on the rocket ship. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to stick around, strap in because we're going to the damn moon. But that all being said, that does it officially. My motivation minutes, everything in between. Let's send you guys on about your Thursdays the only way we know how. As per usual, ladies and gentlemen, Degenerates, gamblers, Seattle Seahawks fans, the 12th man, fans of the NFL Shield, NFL bettors, fantasy football players, anybody I might have left out who stopped by episode number 116, far and wide, from myself and Mags. <laughs> Thank you so much for choosing to stop by episode 116 of the Talking the Line podcast. We cannot tell you how much we appreciate it when you guys do. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for all of your support and following. We are only going to continue to keep making this bigger and better for each and every one of you. And before you know it, we will be cashing gridiron tickets. We know that's always the most important thing while you come around. You're trying to make some extra scratch, extra dough. That's why we're in this racket anyway. But that all being said, we hope you have a spectacular Rest of your Thursday, unless you have any other plans, make sure you check out those best bets of the day so you can meet us at the pay window tonight and soon say yourself, let's cash some tickets.